If it doesn't, it never was. But if it just sits in your living room and it messes up all your stuff and it eats all your food and it takes all your money and it doesn't understand that you set it free, then you either married it or you gave birth to it. Amen? Oh, the blessings of children. Amen? Have you guys ever watched a relay race before? A relay race? Today we're going to relive for a moment the 2012 Olympic 100-meter relay race. A little bit of background. The United States and the Jamaican teams are by far listed as the favorites to win. Let's see and be reminded who wins. Who will prevail? On your mark. Australia, France, Japan, Canada, Jamaica, USA, Netherlands, and Trinidad. The Olympic men's 4 by 100 meters relay final. flash and uh, a very good run by the American Trell Kimmons he's gone very strongly indeed now then the Jamaicans have got it so have the Americans and Gatlin's made a bit of headway down the back straight there and it's uh, USA from Jamaica at the moment very very strong indeed but here goes here goes the a Jamaican changeover was terrific and all of a sudden you've got Tyson Gay versus Johan Blake and Blake's winning this one and here comes Usain Bolt he has the button and it's Bolt versus Ryan Bailey and Usain Bolt is moving away and Jamaica retained their title 36.85 and the world record has been taken apart oh I say what a way to finish an Olympic Games New world record set by the Jamaicans in 2012. Now, what I want to tell you about that is, is that any good track coach will tell you that a relay race is either won or lost in the passing of the baton. If there is a slight miscalculation, if there is just a little bit of hesitancy in the passing of the baton, that transfer point can cost you the whole race. Many of us as Christian parents, as grandparents, aunts, uncles, whatever, even pastors and teachers, we may feel or we may fear that we're losing the race with our children. It may seem like we're muffing the transfer. It may seem like our children are dropping the baton. Traditionally, August is set apart to be Children's Month here at Bethel Baptist Church. And my prayer for your message today, 
Did y'all hear that? This is not my message. My prayer for your message today is that you will ask yourself this question. How important is next generation thinking? How important is it for you to be thinking about the next generation? Josh McDowell says that the number one fear of Christian parents is that they will not pass on their values, they will not pass on their morals, they will not pass on their faith, to their children. And it's little wonder we fear that. Think about this. In, as we look around the society in which we live, teen pregnancy has increased 500% in 30 years. As we look around our society, suicide among young people has jumped 300% in that same 30 years. We look around at our society and we see uh, over 1,000, say 1,000. We see 1,000 teen girls getting abortions every day in America. We look around at our society where 4,000, say 4,000, where 4,000 kids every day catch a sexually transmitted disease. And we worry. We worry that our society is seizing our children. We are concerned and we fear that our culture is capturing our kids. We worry that our children are going to be making choices and living lives and paying consequences from a value system they picked up in the world. You see, we do live in a world, friend, a world that largely rejects biblical truth. We live in a world that makes fun of biblical morality. We live in a world that glorifies sex and violence. We live in a world that laughs at drunkenness and rudeness. But my job today, my job today is to tell you we can still win this race. Before we go any further, you've got to believe that. You've got to believe that we can win this race. We can still transfer our values to our kids. We can still pass on biblical truth to our children and teenagers. We can still equip them to live godly lives even in an ungodly world. But you've got to be convinced that we can still do that. Now I know that there are things that will hinder us. I know that the crowd around us will distract us. I know that the track can sometimes be rough. But I also know that just like in any relay race, that limited zone in which we make this transfer 
cannot be miscalculated, and we cannot hesitate. We got to immediately focus on passing the baton, or the race will be lost. So, what do I do, Brother Bill? What can I do? What can I do now? What can we do today to pass on biblical values, to pass on truth and morality to our children and make a difference so that we can win our race? Well, the answer is found in the model that God gave. Imagine that. The model that God gave to his people for teaching truth to children. In the fifth book of the Bible, we are given a godly model for passing on our faith, passing on our values to our kids, and it involves three simple steps. The first of which is this. We must build relationships with our children. Listen to what Moses wrote in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 4. He wrote, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. First of all, not only is the Lord our God one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but what this means is the Lord our God is the only one. Amen? No one and nothing else is to be worshipped. The Lord our God is one. And he goes on to say, You shall love that Lord, the only one. With your, all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. See, that's a relationship. That's a relationship. Passing on our values to our kids demands a healthy relationship. With who? Well, with God. Because every other relationship you have comes out of your relationship with God. And if you want to be successful in passing the baton to the next generation, then you better be building your relationship with God. I mean, how can children know to love God unless they see you doing it? How can young people know that they ought to love the Lord their God, who is the only one, unless they see for themselves the life you've built? loving God and let me tell you this friends and I've learned this the hard way lip service will not do your kids are much much smarter than that and if they hear you telling them one thing and doing another they're going to pick up on that The love that we have for God should be all-encompassing. Heart, mind, soul, and strength. You see, friend, your relationship with the Lord will inspire you to have a closer relationship with all our children. Not only your own children, but with all children. You will become next-generational-minded. You'll begin to think about the welfare of children. See, the biggest part of our society... The biggest part of the problem in our society is basically messed up relationships. Think about it. That's where it all starts. That's where it stems from, is messed up relationships. So I believe that if biblical truths are going to be transferred, if godly values are going to be transferred to the next generation, we've got to begin by having a meaningful, close relationship with God. That's where it all starts. Now, 
A preacher named Bob Hostetler gave this example of how he builds relationships. He said, if I need to correct my kids, I've learned that I begin asking a question that appeals to my relationship with them. If the answer to that question is positive, then they're more likely to answer in a positive way. For instance, if I ask my child first, before correction, do you know that I love you? Do you know that I love you? By doing that, I'm appealing to them not on the basis of my authority over them, but on the basis of my relationship with them. That's so important. The first step in passing the baton successfully to the next generation is building a relationship. A relationship with our children. And that all comes from a relationship with God. To love him with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind, and with all your will. But there's a second step in the process, and that is this. Not only must we uh, create relationships, build relationships, we must also be an example to our children. Look at what Moses wrote back there in uh, chapter 6, in uh, verse 6. He said, and these words, those words I just spoke to you, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and these words which I command to you today shall be in your heart. Your heart. They've got to be in your heart. See, passing on values to our kids demands example. It demands example. They've got to be in your heart before you get them in your kid's heart. It all begins with an example. You know, whether you know it or not, you are being watched. All the time, whether you're a parent or whether you're a, a church worker, whether you're just a, a, an adult attending worship, you are being watched by young people. And we need to know, friend, that the way you act, whether it's by design or by accident, the way you act powerfully communicates how you feel about right and wrong and about good and evil. So how are you acting? How are you being an example before young people? You know, if we want to, to, uh, to pass on biblical values to our kids, then you know what? We've got to model those values ourselves. And not just when it's convenient for us. His words have got to be on our hearts before we can impress them on their hearts. They've got to be here before they can be there. Amen? So if I want my son or if I want my daughter to accept that there are absolute standards of right and wrong, then what do I got to do? I have got to model those right and wrong standards in my own life. They've got to see it. They've got to see that I believe it before they'll believe it. Bob Hostetler, that pastor, goes on to say, he said, I must confess that I got real perturbed when my children learned to read. Because when they learned to read, they could compare my speedometer with the speed limit sign out on the side of the road. Oh, I tried to confuse them. He said, I tried to distract them. I tried to even shield my speedometer with my body. 
But it seemed like they got some kind of perverse pleasure out of reminding me that I'm going 70 and a 55. And listen to what I did. I tried to justify it. I'd explain, well, Daddy's in a little hurry right now. It'll be okay. I'm in a little bit of a hurry, so I'm going to have to go a little bit fast right now. I'd explain to them. Those people that put up the signs, they know we're going to go a little bit fast, so they intentionally make the speed limits lower. But what was I really saying? The whole time I was giving those meaningless explanations, I was telling my kids, obey the rules and accept authority, but I was teaching them the exact opposite by my example. I was teaching them to break rules. I was teaching them to ignore authority. Let me tell you what, those kids on that church van, they eyeball my speedometer. <laughs> and if I go over it, I hear about it. They watch what you do. They watch the example you provide. I'm not saying that we got to live perfect lives before our kids, because I know we can't. But what I am saying is this. We should live consistent lives before our kids. We should live out lives that model biblical standards. For example, if I truly want to teach my children to value honesty, then I had to strive always to be truthful, no matter what. If I want my kids to flee sexual immorality and speak in a way that's wholesome, then you know what I better be sure I do? I better be sure that my TV is not providing those things for my kids to watch. Uh-oh. Janet and I were talking about this just the other day. We were engrossed in this movie on Netflix. Good movie, good plot. And then all of a sudden, the F-bombs started flying. The profanity started flying. The sexual innuendo started flying. Pretty much, they were pretty much just laid out there doing it. And Janet reminded me of this. She said, would you let somebody come into our house and speak that junk in front of our daughter? Would you allow somebody, a couple to come in here, lay on our couch, and do what they're doing on TV in front of our daughter? To the core, you hear me? To the core. It's got to go. Because it's the same thing. If I allow it on the TV, I might as well allow it on my couch. Let's be the example that God's called us to be. But our duties don't stop there. Yeah, we've got to build relationships with God and with children. Yes, we have to be an example. But there's another thing that God calls us to do if we're going to want to successfully pass the baton to the next generation. And that is, we have to bestow truth to our children. I want to share with you 
uh, verse 7 of Deuteronomy chapter 6 out of the New Living Translation because it just gets kind of like grassroots, kind of plain in ways that you and I can understand it better. It says this, uh, those things that I just mentioned, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, making sure they're in your heart, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. What's that mean? In other words, teach your kids about the truths of God all the time. All the time, in all situations, even in the simple things you do. So when it comes to our children, Lord, what is it you want me to do? Five things. Five simple things. First of all, God wants you to make a generational commitment. Look at what he says there in verse 7. He says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. That means be committed to teach your kids the values of God. That word diligently actually means to sharpen. We don't want to send our kids all dull and everything out in the world, do we? So we sharpen them, teaching them, making them better children, making them have good morals and know right and wrong, knowing evil from wickedness. Number two, God wants you to teach your children the Bible at home. Repeat them again and again. Teach your children diligently and talk of them when you sit in your house. Teach kids about God in the house. Number three, God wants you to teach your children the Bible while you're on trips. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk to them when you sit in the house and when you walk by the way. When you take a trip, teach them about the things of God. Number four, God wants you to teach your children the Bible at bedtime. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down. Number five, God wants you to teach your children the Bible every day. Don't miss. Don't miss. Don't miss every day. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Every day. The wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon, spoke these words in Proverbs 22.6. He said, train up a child in the way he should go so that when he is old, he will not depart from it. Training includes instruction. You got to teach them. You can't expect them just to act right based upon what their friends are doing. Can I get a testimony about that? You got to teach them. You got to train them up. You got to instruct them how to live a godly life. And can I just say, that's what we do at Christians in Action. If you've ever been here on Wednesday nights at 5.15 to 7.15, that's what we do for children. We instruct them how to live a godly life. Just listen to these next three months of, uh, on, of these themes that we're going to be teaching our kids in the next three months. First of all, we're going to teach them how to be compassionate. We're going to teach them how to be joyful. We're going to teach them, listen to this one, how to be wise leaders. 
if we don't train them how to be a godly wise leader, then they're going to become an ungodly wise leader, right? We've got to train them. We've got to instruct them. Can you tell me what is the fruit of an apple tree? Say it if you know it. Come on, it's not that hard. No. The fruit of an apple tree is not the apple. The fruit of an apple tree is another full-grown, mature apple tree producing more apples. Don't be satisfied teaching your kids the things of God. Teach them how to make more apples, amen? Teach them how to make more godly people, more people who believe in Jesus Christ, more people who live for God, more people that have moral examples, more people who know right from wrong. See, teaching kids that Christians in action, we teach them that, that God's standard of right and wrong is what we need to, to focus on, not human ideas of right and wrong. They'll lead you astray every time. We teach them what God says is right. What God teaches is the right way to abundant living. But let me tell you this. Instilling these biblical values on Wednesday night requires your commitment. Friend, you can't expect a handful of us to do this job. It is far bigger than that. It's going to take all of us. Using our gifts. Doing what we can do. Some people drive a van. Some people cook a meal. Some people walk a little one to the bathroom. So that the teacher doesn't have to leave the classroom. Some people do arts and crafts. Others do games. Some do teaching. But if you don't do what you can do, it's the same as doing nothing. Did you hear that, church? If you don't do what you can do, it's the same as doing nothing. It requires a generational commitment to teach children consistently, to teach them repeatedly, and to teach them at every opportunity. And we've all got to have that commitment. And here's the most important value we teach them. We understand and teach them to understand and accept that God is the source of all truth. He's the source of all truth. Moses said, he is the rock. All his words are perfect. He is the God of truth. The faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. See, we don't want our kids making the mistake of thinking that they can measure their uh, right and wrong by their own ideas. No, it's far bigger than that. We want them to understand the basis of everything we call moral, the basis of everything that we call good, comes from one source, and that's God. And if you don't teach them, then they won't learn it. So it's time for us who say that our Lord is God to begin acting like He is God. For us who say that we believe in truth, we, we, we say we believe in right and wrong, 
But friend, are we acting like people who believe in the truth? Do we act like people who believe in right and wrong? We've got to learn to walk as children of light ourselves and then be willing to teach the next generation to do the same. You're going to have an opportunity in our decision time this morning to come up and say, count me among those who are committed to the next generation. There's a sign-up sheet right here with a pen. You may not know what in heaven's name you might do to help, but God does. And so during our invitation time, I want to encourage you to step up, step out, step forward, put your name on the dotted line, and say, I want to be counted with those who are committed to Christians in action. And you'll be used in a way you can't begin to fathom nor imagine. So let me ask you this question. Is the Spirit of God stirring in your heart this morning? Is God urging you, speaking to you, to examine yourself, to ask yourself, am I still in the faith? Is God urging you to begin brand new? To begin, you can't do nothing about yesterday, agreed? You can't do about anything about opportunities that have been lost. But you can do something about today. And you can do something about tomorrow. Do you, do you feel God just urging you to begin anew, walking in obedience to his commands to be next generational thinking? Is God urging you to begin today to separate, to set an example through you in speech, in life, in love, in faith, in purity. I pray God's speaking to you about that. Is God urging you to make a generational commitment to the children that will be leading this church one day, leading our community one day, leading our country one day? It may be to someone else's child. And that may take great patience and, and uh, long instruct, careful instruction, as Timothy said, or Paul wrote to Timothy. You know, he may be talking to you about something real private. He may be talking to you about something very personal. But I want you to know that this decision time is for all of that. And this altar is available to pray and communicate with your father about all of that but namely this is a decision time it's a decision time where you're going to have to ask yourself if God is who he says he is am I being who I say I am whatever he's speaking to your heart this morning I will only say this I'll give to you the words his mother gave to some people before he turned that water into wine. Mary said, whatever he says, 
do it. Whatever Jesus says to you this morning, just do. Do your part with our generational ministry we call Christians in Action. Just do your part. Just do it. God will do it through you if you'll allow him. And you know, what we need to remember is, well, let me ask you this question. Would you agree with me that there's a lot of false doctrine going on out, out there right now? That false doctrine is going to get to your child unless you do something about it. Take a stand. And remember, if you don't teach your child to follow Christ, then the world will teach him not to. Look at it, poor brother. So do your part. Join in this generational ministry we call CIA. We make it really, really simple for the adult. And the rewards are beyond this world. Go one more minute. Don't forget that. That hit my Facebook page, and it's been like a hammer ever since. Don't forget it. Truer words have never been spoken. And now I want to introduce you to somebody... Where's she at? Yeah, she don't, I, this is for mom and dad anyway. This is the little girl whom we're baptizing today. When Cheyenne first started coming to what we call then Awana, she would dinky. Everybody knows what dinky means, right? She was a little bitty, and she didn't speak a word. But she was faithful as rain. She came with Casey most times. And that is the greatest picture of Cheyenne as she used to be. Amen? Give me one more, brother. That's her another time, enjoying our Harvest Fest. But now I want to tell you the reason, at least the large part of the reason why she's being baptized today is for this reason. When Wendy Shelton began her training with the cubbies at Awana. And little Cheyenne began to be exposed to the truth of God. Cheyenne, come here, girl. This is Cheyenne today. She's not near as quiet. She ain't near as dinky. <laughs> Amen. But she is so precious. And she's grown in the Lord leaps and bounds. And she comes giving her life to Christ today. She comes desiring to follow Jesus' example in believers' baptism today. And we're going to do that for her. But I want to ask you, do you rejoice with me in accepting Cheyenne as part of this church? You do say amen. You know what? Cheyenne's not the only one. If all those kids were in here, I can see one, two, Molly's three, Brittany's four. Um, I mean, just bunches of our kids started here. Started with godly instruction. 
on Wednesday nights that came as a result of God using devoted, tired, oh, friends, let me tell you, some people came in after a 12-hour shift and let God use them to train up your kids in godly instruction. And this is the result. Them giving them li their lives to Christ. Numerous have done this. So my challenge is to you, and if you want to go ahead and get ready, sweetie, you can. Mom will help you out, and I'll be back there in a minute. But this is a day for you. A decision time for you to be involved in this next generational ministry we call CIA. But I also want you to know that this is for you personally. Because I know that there's personal things going on in your life that you might need prayer for. You might uh, identify the fact, you know what, hey, I need to do what Cheyenne's doing today. I need to give my life to Christ and follow through in believer's baptism. You know, I need to become a part of this church family. It's high time. So whatever your decision is today, I pray that you wouldn't hesitate not one more minute. And I want to assure you, you'll walk out of here different than you walked in. Let me pray for you. Our Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for this privilege. This privilege you've given your children to train up the next generation. Father, I pray and, and we ask as a church family to use us in ways that only you can use us. Father, we put aside our own agenda, our own desire, uh, our own will, our own energy, and we just ask you to energize us, to you, for you to give us direction and for you to give us guidance. Father, I pray that, that this list be filled. Be filled with mature adults that see the absolute necessity to be involved in a next generation ministry. Father, I give you praise for saving our souls, and I know, Lord, that if it weren't for the blood of Jesus Christ, I'd still be in my sin, and if I were to die today, I would not be able to be with you. But conversely, I know that by placing my faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone, Father, I know that I have been accepted into the family of God, and that I'll be with you forever and nobody can take that from me. So, Father, I pray your blessings over this decision time. And I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, for great and mighty things, things that I can't begin to fathom or imagine, that you're going to do through faithful servants for the next generation. And we ask this prayer. In the name above all names, the Lord of lords and the King of kings, what's his name? Jesus and all God's people said.